0: In Zero Killer Country, my name is Brittany Ransom. And my name is Brian Jr. And this is When Killers Get Caught, a podcast devoted to deep dives into killers we love to learn about. Each week, Brian and I discuss two true crime stories that resonated with us, and then I will lead you down the dark path of learning about who a killer was, how they grew up, how they killed, and most importantly, how they got caught. And then Brian slows things down and gives us a walk through the creepier side of life with a discussion of the paranormal or cryptid and stop and this week in true crime i have another murder update brian
1: oh god <laughs> okay let's go
0: the the last time we talked about mr murdaugh he tried to fake his own murder right. by having a friend of his shoot him Um, And that was very quickly discovered to be a ruse. And then we didn't hear much about it. I mean, they were going through the motions of investigations and uh, the most recent information is that uh, investigators are going to exhume the body of the family housekeeper who died under mysterious circumstances in 2018. Um, Her death was deemed a slip and fall, but Given the absolute ridiculousness of everything involved with this family. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. The the police are like, listen, we just want to make sure Gloria Satterfield actually died the way y'all said she did. Uh, The reason why there's some suspicion is because uh, Gloria worked for them for 20 years. So she was there through all of the stuff. The, The son accidentally killing the person and then other people dying and then both the son and the mom dying well not the mom dying that happened that happened this year but like, she's been there through all the family craziness right, right? right. and so since October uh, Murdoch's been locked up because of the misappropriation of the funds of his family's business uh, also they added on to that so apparently there was a, like a settlement because Gloria fell while in the house and so the sons Gloria's sons were supposed to get 4.3 million dollars in this settlement and they have not received that either so on top of the other issue with embezzling money from his family's business he also has misappropriation of funds through the settlement which he has not paid anything out on. Yeah. Sorry. So, he's, in, he's right. In a so, hole. right. So it was the first son that she would have been there for. And the other mysterious murders of people on the lake. And then we know about Murdoch because June of last year, he came home and found his wife, Maggie and their son, Paul gunned down, uh, on their 1700 acre estate, which is in Islandton, South Carolina. Mother and son were shot with two different guns found outside the home near the dog kennels. He is a person of interest in their murders. And honestly, at this point, I think they probably have to have him on like a suicide watch. He's
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So he has one child left and he was trying to give his son that $10 million life insurance policy that's on his head.
1: Yes. <laughs> that's why he hired someone to kill him.
0: Yep. And so he also is waiting trial for the fake suicide for higher plot. Oh, my God. Um, as of right now, with all of this taken into account, Murda is facing a total of 74 criminal charges.
1: that's a lot it's just funny I, I I like how they're bringing up the the maid's body now and like she knew too much she obviously knew too much so now,
0: yeah that's what they think she knew too much about all of his his business yeah and they want to make sure that she actually fell and he didn't kill her too
1: oh sir
0: yep it was a convoluted- he's being held on a seven million dollar bond which is why he's not coming out and so um the reminder is that paul Murdo crashed against a bridge pylon in 2019 killing 19 year old mallory beach and injuring two of the other passengers and at the time that paul died last year he was waiting trial for several different felonies connected to that crash so if anything, Gloria would have known about probably the embezzlement.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. That's how she got. She she stayed around for so long. She got you know a good pay, right? <laughs> She's like, I got dirt on you guys. You gonna pay me?
0: Yeah. Well, until she suddenly fell down some steps. Oh, yeah,
1: they're like, you yeah. know how that goes. <laughs> yeah.
0: But we'll see what's happening. I'm like every couple of months, there's something crazy going on.
1: This is going to be with me. this case. Yeah. It's wild. It's going to be ongoing until they finish.
0: <laughs> he's go- He's never going to see the light of day again. No, seventy four charges, and some of them are in different counties and things. And oh, that's going to but- take forever. Yeah. Well, look, he the three. He, there's three associated with the suit, the fake suicide, and that's in one county. And then there's the situation with where the business was um, because I don't know if people know this, but a lot of businesses make their company be in another place so that their taxes are different. Yeah, yeah. So the, the business is not in the same county as where he lived. I don't know if that's, they were, you know, it was a tax thing, but so all those crimes are separate in a different area. So he's going to have multiple trials to have to go through.
1: Hmm.
0: And he's already old. So, like...
1: Oh, well, his son's going to get this
0: <laughs> <the leaderships>. Right? <sighs> oh, God, That's true. That's true. But anyway, what's your story? Okay,
1: well, my story comes from France. It's not a U.S. story at all. Um, there we go. And... It's it's a tale about a man who gets charged. He's charged over a mysterious needle attack that's been happening in France since like the beginning of this year. Uh,
0: mysterious needle attack.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't. know. It's, it sounds like something that happened like in U, in the U.S. Um, like a couple years ago too, with, with mm-hmm. needles and stuff. But anyway, um, so mm-hmm. France. French prosecutors have charged a 20-year-old man in southern France in connection with a fresh spate of needle attacks that have mystified police and alarmed authorities since the start of this year. Um, He was detained on Sunday, two days after around 20 people reported needle injuries during the filming of a televised concert on a Riviera beach.
0: Oh, wow. Uh,
1: yeah. And it was in uh, Tolton. On, that's, that, that happened on Friday. So, yeah. Um, one woman was hospitalized, and the police had to be called. And after, you know, other, other reports of, like, stabbings, and, you know, everybody started panicking about, you know, oh, oh man, there's somebody out here stabbing people. And it didn't you know, it, you know, it was with a needle. So obviously hysteria um yeah but he was so this 20 year old man there's no name for him yet uh he was he was identified by two women who said that he attempted to assault them um and he was it's funny because like right now he's he's denying all of this of course, but
0: right. But I mean,
1: like you got all these witnesses that say, like, this is the guy <laughs> like I felt this prick and this guy was standing behind me or beside me.
0: Mm-hmm. Got you.
1: Yeah. Um, so the attacks in Tolton, they took place during, like I said, the, the, it, it was a live recording of a show. And it was. Okay. And it's called the Song of the Year show. So I'm not sure if that rings a bell for anybody um, over here. I,
0: I got no idea, <laughs> but it's all good.
1: Um, but yeah, since the start of this year, at least 100 incidents have been reported of young people suffering needle injuries at nightclubs and festivals in France. In France. Oh, wow. No. So, like. This has been going on forever and I guess it' has been like mystifying the police over there like they can't find who this guy is or well, they couldn't find who he was until he was identified but yeah um, mm-hmm. I guess it says like some some of the newer attacks were like from teenagers like 17, 18 year olds who were at like festivals and mm-hmm. they just like experience a sudden sharp pain in their hands or their arms and like and, and this guy is there and he's like oh what's up you know what i mean Wait, so
0: <laughs> they think he did all of that
1: yes yes
0: wow that's a, okay wow i mean he's been busy i mean
1: if you think about it like if uh, one of the, uh okay so our outdoor festivals they're are a lot of people you can like if it's just one guy and he's using the same freaking needle to attack
0: oh i thought he was like leaving them in them
1: i don't think so it doesn't oh
0: that's gross if he's poking them and just moving on to another person right bloodborne illnesses um
1: yeah it even like says that like um most of the victims of this needle attack, they've been suffering from the same symptoms like nausea, dizziness, <sighs> the sharp pain, and the okay. See, in the later day, they, they see there's a needle prick in their arm or you know their hand or wherever he pricked them at, but there's no needle. So I'm not sure if it's a syringe type of thing now or if it's just like a you know what I mean or just that some, was
0: a COVID needle. Yeah. Pope Pope. Stay inside.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. He's giving everybody the vaccine. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. um, A lot of the the victims have, you know, been told to, you know, get get treated for, like, or get tested for HIV, you know, any STDs and stuff like that, just in case. Because needles and many people. Maybe using the same needle on many people is definitely like scary and dangerous. So yeah, he was uh he was arrested on Sunday. Um, and that's all I got for that.
0: Well I'm sure people are really happy about it. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, definitely. I'm I'm sure like the police are, are they're, they're happy that they finally caught this guy. He's not stomping them anymore, um, nobody's getting Proked anymore everybody can go out to festivals or concerts or wherever the hell they want to go to and then feel safe as safe as they can in, right. in the state of affairs right now
0: we are still in post-covid world yes Okay, everybody listening. So more than likely, most of you have already seen the headline. And I'm fully expecting some people to not be truly on board with today's podcast. Um, I have been kind of struggling. Um, I have a whole list of people and books and resources that I want to do for the podcast. And I kept like for days, I kept sitting at my computer And I took my laptop to my bed. And I was like, maybe if I'm more comfortable, it'd be easy for me to write. Hmm. And then I came back over here and like nothing works for me. And then one night I called Brian. And I was just like, I need to talk about something. And I hope that you'll be okay with it. Um, Probably anybody um, aware of the world who's watching the news uh, anywhere in the world is aware that America is in the middle of... Something really scary going on uh, in regards to mass shootings and mass murders. And so today I'm going to actually talk to everybody about the history of these crimes and when they started in America and maybe some reasons why they have happened more often and less often over the years. And we are going way, way back to the beginning. Uh, Well... Uh, one of the first things that I think about, um, and probably you will too, Brian, is that I am a Columbine child. Mm-hmm. Um, April 20th, 1999, I was 11 years old. I remember the resulting panic, the distrust from adults as they looked at young people as these potential purveyors of death and destruction. I lived through all the restrictions. Uh, I remember the eight year old who held up a chicken nugget at school and said, bang, bang, and he almost got expelled. I remember the high school senior who wore a saffron kilt that belonged to one of his family members uh, to prom, who almost got dis- uh, expelled too. Um, even one of my own family members uh, almost got expelled in middle school for telling a girl that he was so angry he was going to kill her. Oh God. Um, mass murder and mass shootings are, are have kind of been woven into my identity almost as much as being pan or being black or being a woman and sometime between April 20th, 1999 and 2022, I think I just became numb to all of it. And I realized as I was kind of prepping this, that in some strange way, uh, the, the way that I have had to get closer to these true crime cases has changed how I am viewing these, um, mass murders as they come up this year. Um, I think about how crime touches the, the people who experience it in a way that I didn't before. And this kind of funk I've been in is since like May 14th, 2022. And if you're listening from Buffalo, New York, that's the day that's probably burned in your heart because for the rest of the world, that was the date of the shooting at the tops grocery store that killed 10 of the community elders Um, TikTok followers might remember that I made a video talking about all the victims. That one hit hard and it hurt. And I was like, this is so terrible. 10 people died. There can't be another one. Right. But there were three more that weekend. And then 12 more over Memorial Day weekend. And I found myself having to call my sister at eight o'clock in the morning, uh, on Sunday this past weekend. And actually I woke her up (laughs) She didn't know, but there had been a mass shooting in Philadelphia on Saturday night. Um, This year, we are already over 300 mass shootings in the United States. There were 692 in 2021. We are on speed to hit or surpass that number before the year is over. And I think a lot of Americans have just accepted a reality where this is our new normal. Nowhere is safe, and it's the price we pay because a couple of people make a massive amount of money off of gun manufacturing, and the gun lobby has its hands within our government in a way that makes it virtually impossible for them to pass effective protective measures. But for me, that numbness is gone. Um, so as I sat down to kind of do the the recon for this, I I don't know about you, Brian, but I was kind of, like, the media makes it seem like Mass shootings and mass murders are a pretty modern problem.
1: Mm, yeah, they sure do. <laughs>
0: they, they make it seem like, oh, this, you know, this has kind of been going on since the 1960s. But that's not true at all. There were 909 mass murders uh, in the U.S. between 1909 and 1999. Mm-hmm. So this is anything but a modern problem. And somehow, somewhere, we need to figure out why us and what it is about America And so I know this is a different conversation than we normally have every week on the podcast, but I hope you stick with me. There's a lot of really interesting history, and so I'm going to start at the beginning. Um, Part of starting at the beginning is remembering that the first mass murderers in the United States were our government, long before there even was a government. Uh, The Middle Passage killed millions of enslaved Africans on the track across the Atlantic Ocean, and that began in the 1400s. American chattel slavery continued until 1865. And historians refer to it as a genocide. And of course, we also can't ignore the government-led genocide of Indigenous Americans masked as exploration and colonization that took place through most of the 1700s and 1800s. And uh, I'm sure a lot of Canadians are specifically aware of this because the Indian schools that we sort of shuffled indigenous kids into didn't close down until the 1960s um they even had a, a fun slogan kill the indian save the man <clears throat> yep yep and over the last year they have been unearthing mass graves uh, from those schools and there were many of them in the u.s too um brian you might uh remember the carlisle indian school
1: Mm-hmm. yes
0: That's still there, and they have. It sure is. Yep. They have a boatload of graves outside of the building. Uh, But it's, they're much, much more died there. At one point, I looked it up, and um, they have a tally, like they have a list, and they have the names. Um, Just don't know where the bodies are at this point with the end of slavery in the United States that gave way to Jim Crow racism and the rise of the Ku Klux Klan who make no mistake were also mass murderers on are responsible for a tremendous amount of missing persons cases in the early 1900s, um, which brings us into the early 1900s, uh, the end of the Gilded Age, which saw rise to corporations monopolies. We entered what we called the progressive era. Um, a time of political scandal, racialized violence, and really the end of frontier America. There's a huge boom in industrial revolution, rise of immigration to the U.S., the beginning of unions due to unfair labor laws and exploitation of workers. By 1900, the U.S. was about 15% uh, immigrant population, and this was supposed to be a new era of reform, in response to the excess and corporate ge- greed of the Gilded Age, I think anybody who is aware of America knows corporate greed did not stop <laughs> uh, after the Gilded Age was over. Politicians tried to offer up changes to the system, initiatives, referendums, recalls. The food and drug industry saw major changes and creation of the FDA. There was reform in the railroad industry, uh, reform in banking. And all of that stopped when World War I started in 1914 and our entry into it in 1917. I mentioned the KKK because the crimes against Black Americans in the South were at an all time high. In fact, from 1900 to 1909, about 200,000 Black Americans fled the South and they actually refer to it as the Great Black Migration. And then another 300,000 moved north from 1910 to 1919 um that would be the time period that my mom believed that our family moved from georgia up to pennsylvania this uh push came because of the lynchings uh we believe that there uh, there are many numbers but around 2500 lynchings happened between 1882 to 1930 racial violence however followed people up north Waves of race riots just plagued the black community from 1970 to 1923. And what was worse is that black people who were the victims of these riots, for the most part, this is when the media began the campaign of black on black crime. Mm. Like, there's actual, you can find the articles because they start talking about crazed Negroes Attacking people, crazed Negroes attacking each other. So we can thank the New York Times for that. And to kind of offset the amount of racialized violence that black people were enduring, they began creating an offset in the media. So the beginning of World War One, the major discussion was: should we involve ourselves? This has happened to them over there. Wall Street was kind of leading the charge as the primary financiers of munitions manufacturing. So, of course, they were like, yeah, no, totally, go to war. Uh, And, of course, those who remember high school history know that the idea of over there disappeared uh, on May 7th, 1915, when a German submarine sank the Lusitania, killing 1,200 people, 128 of them who were American. Um, There still wasn't a whole lot of support, though, strangely enough but what we do get in the early 1900s is a lot of homegrown terror specifically starting around the conversation around World War 1 so it wasn't mass shootings but it was public bombings that were killing people and so one of them was a July on uh, July 16th 1916 there was a bomb deployed that killed 10 people and wounded 40 uh, witnesses claim they saw two dark dark-skinned men that they thought were Mexican planning a suitcase. And the police ended up focusing on two men who were active in the labor movement, Thomas Mooney and Warren Billings. They were both members of the socialist party who were trying to get labor reform. So I think it's very interesting and it's very telling because this is, it's almost like <sighs> history just repeats itself constantly in the Amer- in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two of them were not responsible for these crimes, but they absolutely went to prison for it.
1: Of course
0: they did. Uh, They were tried and convicted after a pretty dodgy investigation. Thomas was given the death penalty, Warren, life in prison. The district attorney actually framed them with false witnesses and fake testimony. Um, Police intimidated a witness, John McDonald, to say that he had seen them there that day. Um, Another witness came forward uh, to say that someone the police had paid to lie Frank Oxman had actually been 200 miles away. So he couldn't have been in San Francisco seeing them plant a bomb. Just love that. The state responded by going, all right, well, we won't kill that guy. uh, But he can stay in prison for life. What? What? Yep. Um... In 1939, Governor Colbert Olson released them. And Thomas died three years later. And Warren became a watchmaker and received his official pardon in 1961 Oh god so that bomb in san francisco ends up being attached to the boogeyman that we know as anarchy (laughs) there was a bomb outside of a church in milwaukee that was found and taken to the police and this isn't funny but i laughed because these two kids find this bomb outside of Milwaukee and they pick it up and they take it to the police station and the police are like that's a bomb <laughs> and um they don't do anything and it explodes and kills nine police officers oh. and I was just like you could have dug a hole and thrown it in the ground or something you just looked at it until it exploded either way that happened in 1917 uh The Rockefellers, specifically John D. Rockefeller and J.P. Morgan, were sent hundreds of bombs Mm. in 1919.
1: Yeah, I I can see that. (laughs) I can see that happening. Yes,
0: a lot of the mass murders that I'm going to talk about have to deal with people striking and fighting back against businesses. Uh, The Attorney General Mitchell Palmer almost died when one got sent to his home. Uh, The the labor strikes were super violent in the early 1900s, uh, which, of course, leads us into the Red Scare and how on November 7th, 1919, the U.S. just started rounding up suspected communists. Those were the Palmer Raids. J. Edgar Hoover directed the feds to another raid on January 2nd, 1920, that brought in 4,000 Americans from 33 U.S. cities. Uh, That people didn't. okay, people died. we're talking about, I have to just mention, you know, Mm. government-led violence against its citizens. Right. So, the next big bombing was the Wall Street bombing, September 16th, 1920. A horse-drawn carriage filled with explosives and window weights parked outside of J.P. Morgan and exploded, killing 40 people, wounding 200. That was blamed on anarchists and Bolsheviks from Italy, Germany, and Russia. Uh, hundreds of people were questioned across the u.s eighty thousand dollar reward put up nobody's charged um it would seem that the main form of mass murder are bombs and riots at this point Mm -hmm. um there was there were lots of them like there's so many i can't really mention them all uh there was the bombing of the la times in 1910 which killed 21 people wounded 19 that was a labor dispute um, from 1906 to 1910, the National Erectors Association, the NEA, was bombed over 100 times. Um, and then some of these attacks were, these these mass murders were perpetuated by the U.S. government. Um, the Luglow Massacre happened after 12,000 workers struck against the Colorado Fuel and Iron Company, which was owned by the Rockefellers. Uh, the Rockefellers responded by kicking them out of their company housing. Since they're like, you're not working anymore, so you're all evicted. They end up going and setting up a tent colony and the largest was Ludlow with about a thousand people. April 20th, 1914, the government sends the national guard who opened fire on the camp, looting it and setting it on fire. 20 people died that day. Oh, my God. And then other strikers from other tent cities began retaliating. And that went on for 10 days until Woodrow Wilson called in federal troops. And I'm like, had you not involved yourself in this the first time, like why is protecting the Rockefellers the most important thing to America? It is. They make this the money. Uh, one of the most interesting details I discovered was that in instances of mass murder between 1900 and 1939, gun violence is still supreme though. 53%. 42% were other attacks like knives or bombs and 5% were... People setting buildings on fire. (laughs) It has its own category as in in killing like everybody in the house. Oh, wow. These are all these are all mass murders. Um, Most interesting, even with the New York Times overreporting crimes committed by the crazed Negroes, as they called us, 91 percent of mass murders were uh, perpetuated by white people on the average age of 41. And 92% of them were white men.
1: Oh, imagine that.
0: Yeah, you know, it's almost like the same thing now. (laughs) Only 6% of them were interracial. And that one race attacked another. So now we have 1940 to 1960, 65-ish. We hit a small reprieve in mass murders. And so that is kind of tied to the start of World War II. Right. Uh, Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. Uh, The war pretty much ended the depression and unemployment dropped down to 4% as pretty much everybody in America was like, let's get ready for war number two. Um, And afterward, the U.S. come out of World War Two looking like heroes. Hmm. Now you have all these soldiers coming home, all of them given monthly stipends. And the GI Bill at the time actually guaranteed housing. So all these guys come back ready to get married, start families. Also have to mention here that I'm talking about white soldiers because black soldiers did not get to receive their GI Bill benefits. Really? um, Which has a direct connection to white Americans being able to create generational wealth in the early 1940s. Uh, Essentially, they were able to buy land, and houses that they have passed down for generations, and these are homes that people still have today. Whereas the black soldiers came home from fighting for America, and they got nothing. Um, I read a story from a a man who was pretty excited. He was he he found a house he really liked. He went to the bank, and he was like, "I want that one." And the banker was just like, "You can't move there." And yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. but pretty much during this time post-war 1945 to 1960 marriage and birth rates skyrocket up 20 22 percent of course we call the children made in that era
1: are you asking because it's like yeah this is the baby boomers
0: baby boomers (laughs) and boomers have had a tremendous impact on american society including crime America saw a 58% increase in college enrollment as many veterans used their GI bill. The suburbs expanded 47% during the 50s. And this caused an unprecedented amount of affluence. And we see a shift in crime because of this. As a comparison, in 1928, only 31% of Americans were considered middle class as we know it today. And by the end of the 50s, or even the middle of the 50s, that number was over 60%. Uh, The invention of television and its advancement was keeping more people at home, less likely to be out there getting in trouble when you're watching your television. Mm -hmm. A lot of Americans got more into religion after the war. A tremendous number of churches were built in the United States between 1940 and the 1950s to put it simply this was the most idyllic time period of american history and that's kind of why boomers look back on this so fondly the 1940s and 1950s have some of the lowest crime rates in u.s history and interestingly enough cities like philadelphia or new york had virtually they had very low crime rates but places that were really we were still getting a lot of mass murders frontier america You know, and there aren't a whole lot of really good numbers about those because, you know, if somebody goes into a town and kills everybody, (laughs) who's there to...
1: Nobody.
0: ...report, yeah, that it happened. Nobody. So the Wild Wild West was still wild, uh, and they were struggling to tame those folks down who had lived their life out on the frontier and... Things were starting to change. No, one of the things that I noticed in my research and several other crime researchers, researchers who I looked in, have pointed out is that mass murder rates parallel homicide almost perfectly. So, when all crime went down post World War II, so did a lot of the mass murders. There obviously were still a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first large ones happened in New Jersey in 1949. But ultimately, when a lot of us who are Gen X, Millennials, and Gen Z don't understand why our older parents or grandparents were so, like, look back at this time so fondly, they don't (laughs) actually understand the world that we are living in now. And not like, oh, my grandma's a racist. As in, like, they didn't grow up in a world where there were school... They grew up in a world where there were drills because of the Red Scare, where kids had to hide under their seats in in, in pretending if Russia bombed oh, us. Oh, right. Yeah. My, the nuclear. Yeah. Right. Right. The Red Scare. <laughs> so my dad had that happen when he was a kid. But the the thing is, even though that was a little bit scary for the children, there were no bombs dropped during the Red Scare. Here we have kids like right now we have kids doing active shooter drills because there are school shootings fairly regularly. So like our grandparents don't understand that time period when you actually had to be fearful, like our time period where we have to be fearful. Mm -hmm. I mean, the idea of a school shooting was virtually non-existent. And the majority of the mass shootings, mass murders during the 40s and 50s were all workplace shootings and bombings generally linked to disgruntled employees, many who were being mistreated for their racial identity, their sex, their assumed sexuality or other oppressed groups in America. Things obviously were still racially rocky in the U.S., but in terms of murder and mass bombings, homegrown terrorism, our our grandparents were not raised in that. Mm -hmm. And so when I mentioned the other statistics, which is that men are the general majority, like overwhelming majority of mass killers, um, the decline they of course think during the forties and fifties is because men were able to care for themselves and their families. And so there was less violence. There was less need to steal because this was a time period of plenty. Um, It just makes me kind of wonder that if we could get a handle on this situation with costs and inflation and and a lack of good jobs and wage stagnation, maybe we would start to see the number of mass shootings decline today. Um, Because right now, like I said, to to people from around the world, these are desperate times. And. When people, when there are more people in poverty and people are desperate, that's when crime rises in the U.S. So either way, we have those 20 idyllic years. But of course, that can't last long in America. We can't just allow people to be happy. Um, And honestly, part of the ending of these, you know, wonderful 40, you know, 50s and 60s, 40s and 50s, is that uh, the majority of the people who were experiencing all these wonderful social developments were white people. Immigrants, black people, indigenous people were like, we, we would like to have a good life too. Can we have a good
1: life? <laughs> no, no good life for you.
0: Now, during the, between 1940 and 1965, we're looking at uh, gun crimes, mass shootings at about 63% um 30% were bombs or knife attacks and 7 were fire 7% were fires um the majority of the people attacking people they know which is pretty solid and consistent statistic um interracial crime actually drops to 3% and that's probably because so many uh white people moved out of the cities Um, White offenders are still 94% of all mass murders at this time. Men are 54% of the aggressors and the median age drops to 32. And I would love to know what was going on with the 46% of women who were committing mass murders between (laughs) 1940 and 1965. I'm like, are these familicide situations? Are these poisonings? Are just killing your whole family and dipping out? I mean, we do have, you know, people like Nanny Dawes during this time period. But the 50s draw to a close and we barrel into the 60s and a lot of things are starting to change. The 40s and the 50s brought some of the most prosperous times in America and left a major void within the inner city. Um You weren't here when I talked about this, but I talked about the Atlanta child murders and I'll just rehash it here quickly. Um, I talked about white flight, which was that pretty much anyone with enough money, mainly white people left the cities, went to the suburbs, Uh, homes and home upgrades get redlined by banks for people still in the cities. And if you don't know what redlining is, it's a pretty illegal thing that banks still do and get in trouble for. Uh, But to make it simple for anyone who doesn't know, you take a map and uh, there's a certain area on the map where this banker is not going to give anyone who lives here a personal loan, no matter what. Doesn't matter what your credit is, doesn't matter how much money you make. And coincidentally, those communities that have those red lines around them, minority,
1: the majority were minorities. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all minorities. Hill <laughs> Supreme.
0: You know, and it doesn't matter, you know, even if you have a house uh, during that time period, because if you can't get a loan to make your home better, eventually it will begin to fall apart. Mm -hmm. And that's the people who even have homes because the majority of the people aren't getting the loans to buy the home and get a mortgage in the first place. Effectively, during this time period, banks created what we refer to as the ghettos of America, and speaking of those people with without money, poverty is a major concern as we enter the 60s. The industrial age is over, manufacturing jobs are almost obsolete. Racism and Jim Crow have existed to this point so excessively that the civil rights movement has started in the mid-1950s. And we get some progress, like Brown versus Board of Education, trying to desegregate schools. But even now in America, our communities are very segregated. And the civil rights movement did win some very big cases like the 1964 Civil Rights Act, the 1965 Voting Rights Act. Now, I am under no illusion that the people who are living nice, comfy lives in the suburbs truly care that much about racism or poverty. But there was this concept during the Johnson administration called the Great Society, and that was this idea that they were going to address these two things and make America better, racism and poverty. One might even say they wanted to make America great again. Oh, love that <laughs> slogan. Yeah, no, everyone hates it. Uh, <laughs> this is also the time when uh, the left and right began just not working together at all because the left were like, we can fix things. And the right were like, why are you spending all this money? 1960s bring about a massive amount of social activism. And I mentioned in the Charles Manson podcast about the riots in 1965, 1966, and 1967. Another thing causing commotion is the U.S. escalation with the war in Vietnam, which caused riots on college campuses. Now, one of the things that they enjoyed in that 20 year stretch of quiet in the U.S. was that the drug trade had pretty much been squashed uh when when the feds went after the mafia and other organized criminals and they never fully disappeared but i think they took those 20 years to kind of build back up again because the night uh, well the 1960s see the use of illegal drugs in america in a major way and what's really interesting is that um if you look at it historically back in the early 1900s 1909 we have the opium exclusion act which blamed chinese immigrants for the use of opium in america and then after that there was the harrison act which criminalized cocaine usage and then after that there was the federal it was called the marijuana tax act of 1937 which blamed mexican immigrants on using and growing marijuana as an alternative to prohibition. They actually created. it was the federal Bureau of Narcotics that kind of brought them out. Hmm. And it's wild. Cause like, it's not like people were weren't doing drugs in the forties and fifties, but it wasn't as big. Right. And I, and I don't think we've seen anything culturally like the rise of drugs in the sixties. Um, it became very connected to youth and rebellion and on a public level, you have like hippies and young kids who are like, I'm going to do drugs and you can't stop me. But we also have the beginnings of young middle class white kids doing drugs, the same group that we are currently worried about in regards to heroin in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Now, we can directly link the creation of the DEA to the drug, uh, which is called the Drug Enforcement Administration in 1973 to the U.S. Explosion uh The prison population just massively expanded. And there is absolutely no speculation here. There are people from the Nixon administration who have come forth in recent decades and said that they specifically created the war on drugs to target certain groups in America. And I'm going to give you the full quote here from John Ehrlichman, who was the assistant to the president for domestic affairs under President Richard Nixon. And he said, you want to know what this war on drugs was really about? The Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. Do you understand what I'm saying? We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be against the war or black. But by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and the blacks with heroin, and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about drugs? Of course we did.
1: My God. (laughs) Uh... So
0: again, again, we talk about government-led violence against the citizens.
1: They just hate us for no fucking reason.
0: And it's it's always amazing because you know here that the issue is that the people who have the money are buying the drugs. Mm-hmm. And the United States government decides you know what? We are gonna attack the people with the least amount of money and put them in prison.
1: Cause they're so the-, the ones buying drugs. <laughs>
0: Yep. And see, the increase of a legal drug market in the 60s and 70s leads to drug-related mass murders. Um, one of the first mass killings that happened in Detroit, uh, it was June 14th, 1971. There were four black men and four black women who were all killed execution style. Uh, they ended up chalking that up to a bad drug deal or a turf war because the narcotics industry in Detroit was worth hundreds of millions of dollars in the 70s. I can only imagine how much money it is now. Mm-hmm.
1: Trillions. Trillions, um, billions.
0: Also that year, October 1971, there was a gang that stole $243,000 of heroin that was supposed to go to another drug dealer in Philadelphia. And there were a series of mass killings in an attempt to find the people who stole the drugs. Oh my God. Um, Street justice. Now, um, there's a crime research, there's a a researcher named Paul Goldstein. And so he came up with these three different connections between drug and violence. And so the first one is called psychopharmacological, which is a person does drugs, experiences an adverse reaction, commits a crime. So pretty much the drugs made me do it. Mm -hmm. The second is called economic compulsiveness, which is you have someone who is an addict, becomes desperate to maintain their habit and they commit crimes. And then his third uh, way that drugs and violence interact is systemic, which is the idea that drugs and violence are connected and connected in such a way that they cannot be separating. And that third one is pretty much the most prolific In fact, of the 55 drug-related mass murders in this second wave of crime between 1965 and 1999, um, 73% of them were instances of systemic violence. They were gang hits, contract killings, turf wars, pretty much the kind of things you have to do to maintain a business when you're a drug dealer. But we moved past the 70s. Uh, Drugs are still a major part of mass murder in America. But now we have smugglers. We have traffickers. We have people connecting to cartels. And in Miami alone, there are 10 mass killings between 1980 and 1984. Seven of them are drug-related. Now, the next era, more like the next, like, area, of of mass murders that pick up during the second wave post 1965 hmm. are called felony related mass murders. And so for any non-Americans who are listening uh in many states in the US we pretty much have a law that says if someone anyone dies during the commission of a crime that is called a felony murder. So the example is I break into your house we get into a fight or you honestly I break into your house you fall and die. It doesn't matter that I didn't do it.
1: I did it in your house. As
0: as far as the U.S. is concerned, a person died during the commission of a crime, and now I am facing felony murder charges. Hmm. And one of those situations actually happened on February 18th, 1983, when 13 people were shot and killed at the Wami Club in Seattle's International District in Chinatown. The killers were Benjamin Ng, Kwan Fei Mak and Wai Chu Ng, and they went into Chinatown in Seattle with the intention of just tying up the customers and the owners at this high stakes gambling den and robbing them. But uh, Kwan Fei Mak actually told the police later that he it changed because he realized that his conspirators were known around Chinatown and pretty much there couldn't be any survivors. They got found out because a 61 year old man named Wai Chin. Survived being shot in the head and neck and was able to name all three of them in the police. Mm-hmm. Another thing we see rise during this second wave is mass public murder. We actually have the first killer tell the police that he did it to make a reputation for himself on November 12, 1966. Now, that killer was 18-year-old Robert Benjamin Smith, and he opened fire at the Rosemar College of Beauty in Mesa, Arizona. He told the police he was inspired by Richard Speck in Chicago and Charles Whitman in Austin, Texas, which both took place in 1966 as well. If you remember, Brian, we talked about Richard Speck in a podcast. Right, yeah. He's the man who killed the nurses in a dorm near the university and Charles Whitman opened fire on the university of Texas at Austin. Um, This is kind of around the time that we begin seeing the copycat murders or what they call the contagion effect. So just with the first and second wave, we're looking at 909 mass killings and roughly one in five of them show that the killer was influenced by a previous mass murderer. Uh, Now, I don't know if you were, because you're like a year younger than me, but do you remember the 1991 postal mass murder?
1: I'm going to say (laughs) no.
0: There were two of them. Um, One was by Thomas McIlvin and the other was Joseph Harris, but both of them referenced Patrick Sherrill, who had done it, at the post office in Edmond, Oklahoma, in 1986. In fact, McElvin made a comment to the police that his intention was to make uh, Oklahoma like Oklahoma, look like a, a kid's game. Like, he was going to make his so bad oh, that people were going to look at the one in Oklahoma and be like, oh, that's child's play. Oh. Which is the same thing that happened in Virginia Tech. The murderer, uh, Sung Hui Cho, referenced Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold of Columbine. He referred to them as martyrs. And one of the most disturbing facts about Columbine that I discovered is that since then, over 300,000 students in America have experienced a school shooting. And I know that's a small percentage of the total number of children, but it's still a lot of children who have had to experience that trauma.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: God. now we also talked about one of the earliest mass school attacks on this podcast the bath massacre mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was the man who tried to bomb the school he worked for because he got fired yes. um, and do and actually one of the earliest school shootings happened in pennsylvania
1: Really?
0: yep and they were they were it was part of the Pontiac Rebellion. Uh, it was a massacre in 1764, where for oh, I'm gonna butcher their name, it's it's not Lenape, but it's like Lenop Lenape. Ooh, it was a local tribe attacked a school in Greencastle, Pennsylvania, as a um, retaliation to attack attacks on their tribe. Hmm. They pretty much went in and massacred a schoolhouse. Um, so, talking about school shootings, the the amount is wild. So there were only there were 13 in the 1800s, 98 in the 1900s, and there have been 229 in just the last 22 years. Oh god. School shootings are going up exponentially. So if we look at the statistics again by the end of this second wave, which ends around 1999, gun murders are at an all-time high, 70%. are bombings or knife attacks. And 13% are fires. The median age of offenders is 30. 94% men. 62% white. And an interesting statistic begins to emerge during the second wave. Which is that 25% of mass murderers commit suicide or force suicide by cop. um, Which I think we see a little bit of today. Yeah, we see a lot of
1: that, actually.
0: Yeah. So I define 1960 to, to 1999 as like our second wave. And so I kind of think we did go through another brief respite of mass murder declining in the U.S. around 2000, 2001. And then I think it drops off immediately in 2007. This is just my opinion. This isn't based on anything other than my opinion, because the research is still being compiled about the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, But we've like, I, Tried to talk to you about as many of the contributing factors to these crimes as possible. But what I remember is that after 9-11, the U.S. like turned and became this ultra patriotic place. And I remember that virtually every public place had more guards and more cops. There was this huge amount of movement to counterterrorism. A major crackdown on all movement across borders. I remember going to Canada and the Bahamas during this time. And when I came back to the States, there were no less than five different stop and checks. Um, they checked all bags all the time back then, which I'm sure cut down on drugs getting into the States until organizations and cartels could find a new method to get around to the counterterrorism. Um, there's a criminologist from the University of Pittsburgh, Al Bloomstein, who said, uh, we are entering an era of general goodwill and good feeling which has the promise of contributing to a drop in crime rates and <laughs> crime rates so and it did it did so you and so you have from march 1991 to march 2001 we have the largest economic boom since the 60s which is right before the crime went went to hell again so the pro- like that prosperity lasted through the dot com bubble crash from 2000 to 2002 and then the recession destroyed it. Okay. So I think once we went right back into the recession and more financial upheaval in America, mm-hmm. things rise, rose again. And it's interesting because everybody thought that during quarantine that uh, the crime rates were going to decrease.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, it would make sense if everybody was inside, you know what I mean? It did not. I know. Things went up. I know.
0: I know you know so I mentioned earlier last year there were 693 mass shootings half of them did get stopped before someone died but these were instances where someone went into a public place and started shooting Mm -hmm. right now we're at 246 Um, there was a CBS news poll this past weekend actually that asked Americans are mass shootings something we just have to deal with and 72% of Americans polled said we can prevent and stop it if we really tried.
1: Only 72?
0: The others said that it was just the price we pay for freedom. What? Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. But honestly, I, the 72 was pretty high for me. I was surprised. I thought there would be a lot more rah-rah patriotism. My guns kind of people.
1: But um, I should pay for fucking freedom, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, sorry.
0: <laughs> it's okay. A lot of people think that this is the time to stop this. This this feels different. And what I'm going to say next is controversial. And I understand that a lot of people are going to disagree with me. Um, But the moment that a potential mass shooter buys a gun, it is already too late in the process to begin restricting them. Mm. And I'm going to use a couple other countries as reference. Uh, Canada just banned all handgun sales, including imports. They have a cap on the amount of weapons in their country. People with any kind of military assault weapon are being required to turn them into the government and they'll be bought back. Um, And honestly, I'm going to give you the rundown because Japan's probably one of the places that has the highest restrictions. But it all seems to make sense when you listen to what you have to go through to get a gun in Japan. So first, in order to purchase it, like qualify for the purchase, you have to take a firearms course. It is a written exam and it's only offered three times a year.
1: Nope. Written exam. You lost me. Written exam. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I ain't ready to shit. Uh,
0: (laughs) You need an up-to-date doctor's note that says you are mentally well and have no history of drug abuse. But we're not done. Then you have to go to your local police station and they will interview you and ask you, why do you need a gun? Mm -hmm. Then you have to apply for a permit for the kind of license you want and wait for that specific training. You can't just say, I want a gun. If you want a small weapons permit, then that's what you might get. Pistols. You want a hunting permit. That's what you're going to get. There is a thorough background check. They check your past gun possession, employment history. Um, check to see you have never been involved in organized crime. They look into personal debt, your personal relationships and I'm sure that social media is involved because people love to post reckless on the gram. Of course. All that gets considered. After that, you still don't get a gun. You have to apply for a gunpowder permit. Take a one-day class and pass a firing test. Obtain a certificate from a gun dealer that says what gun you want, and it has to be very specific. Then you have to get a gun safe and an ammunition locker that meets the safety regulations of Japan. And then a local police officer comes to your home to make sure that your locker and safe are acceptable. You have to pass one final background check, just in case you lied. And if you get through all of that, you can get a gun. You know. And a lot of Americans are going to say this is ridiculous and it's overbearing and, you know, Japan's a nanny state. But let's compare it to a driver's license. (laughs) You need a doctor to verify you can earn good health and your eyesight's well, have to pass a written exam. And then uh, most of the time you need six months of supervised education Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. while learning to drive the death machine. And then you have to pass a practical exam. It is harder in Pennsylvania to get a driver's license than it is to get a gun permit. And the thing is, not all states are as lax as we are. In fact, our neighbor, New Jersey, does not allow Pennsylvania gun permits. They are not valid in New Jersey. So if you have your gun permit from Pennsylvania and a gun on you, and you're in New Jersey, they're still going to arrest you. Mm,
1: Damn. So I'm guessing their gun uh, regulations are a little stricter. Their requirements,
0: right. And I think the lack of uniformity across states actually makes it easier for people to get them. So there are going to be people who will inevitably write me and say, it's our right to have weapons to protect against the tyrannical government. And to that I say, we already live under a tyrannical government and we always have. You've yeah. just never been the one experiencing in the tyranny and so... For a lot of people, they have this this idea that the the US is gonna do something impossible and then people are gonna have to grab their guns and fight the government. But um, I grew up learning about the horrors that were done to my indigenous ancestors. (laughs) My grandmother and grandfather referred to Fourth of July as the white man's independence. For the indigenous people of this country, It has just been an aggressive, horrific occupation of sacred land, and all we've known is tyranny. (laughs) Ask any black folks about the tyranny of the US government. That lasted for over 500 years. Ask the Chinese who were damn near tortured and died building the rail system. Ask Mexicans, ask Taino people, ask Hawaii what they know about tyranny. when it comes down to it, I am not interested in dying because a bunch of white men want to play cowboy. None of y'all are a role regulated militia. And it is time to put the needs of the many over the needs of the few. I'm just going to say it. We don't need guns <laughs> and we'd be better off without them. And I know it'll never happen, but that's where I feel. That's what I feel. Mm-hmm. And, if you listen to all this, thank you so much. Like, it was it was a big history dump. So if that's your thing, I'm sure you liked it.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we we each get our own little history things, <laughs> history episodes.
0: You know, but oh, God. it's just a look into what everybody's always talking about. Why is America so violent? Other people have violent video games. Other people have financial crises. Why is it that, you know, when Americans are going through stuff, it becomes, you know what it is? It's it's that meme that is like, I woke up today and decided to make it everyone else's problem. (laughs) The question is, why do the people do that? Why do they wake up and go, you know what? I hate my life. And I get it. Rent in some places has gone up to three thousand dollars. Gas prices are ten bucks in California. Bro, what? <laughs> which is wild because they're a coastal town, so they should be getting it first. But beside the, that's beside the fact. I mean, there's other places where it's like seven.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I'm like looking at them, going, "Dang, our five dollars doesn't look too bad." Um, <laughs> wages have have been stagnant for decades. I get it. I totally, completely understand. And I also noticed that I did not bring up mental health this entire time because um, I have mental health issues. And uh, I have wanted to hurt myself, but I have never woke up and went, you know what? I'm going to end myself today and also try and take out another 30 people with me. Mm. So I think it's a cop out and I'm really not cool with it. And I don't like that. Every time there is a mass shooting, we just oh he was he was mentally ill. He was...
1: Or he was bullied.
0: Everybody I know is neurodivergent and has a mental health issue. And these are lovely people. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's not just that. And so I, I kind of tried to look at it the way I look at Bundy or or Manson. There are all these factors that shift. And, and Switch, the only one that makes perfect sense to me is, is drugs. That what that researcher said is true. That an aspect of selling drugs is killing people. Something that we can't get away. But outside of that, if you're not like working in an underground industry, I, I just don't understand. But anyway, Brian, hopefully you decide to talk about something more fun today.
1: I, I do. And actually, don't pause. I got to get my, my kitten real quick because he's acting a fucking fool. Oh, <laughs> hold great, on. You
0: just got a new kitten. <laughs> he, he,
1: he has. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Boy. <sighs> yes. Sit with me. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> sure he's, he's climbing on the, the dining room chairs, on the back of the chairs, like a freaking acrobat. I'm like.
0: <sighs> yeah. When I started uh, chasing the cats away from my very expensive leather chair that I bought from a back, mm-hmm. uh, I moved the crappier fabric chair into another part of the room. And they're like, so this chair is fair game? mind you i have a scratching post in my room
1: i have like three of them and
0: uh, (laughs) they just ignore them and go this chair looks like a great place
1: yes to
0: scrape myself across
1: you got three scratching posts two cat trees two little cat beds but no they want to jump and Prance on every other thing.
0: <laughs> That's what the jingling was earlier. There yes was one point when you were talking and I just heard a little tinkle and I was like, what is that noise?
1: Yeah, it's it's my cat running around. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's uh, okay. Okay. I don't All think right. anyone
0: will care about a little kid in mew every once in a while.
1: No, no. He, and he doesn't cry as much as he used to, but you know, it is what it is. Well, he's um, only
0: a couple weeks old, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he's like like four or five weeks, I think i don't know that's a
0: baby
1: uh, yeah he, he's still a baby baby so today <laughs> i've got a crypto for y'all so this is this one's gonna be a little bit okay so the beginning gonna be a little funnier and then and, and it gets serious okay. after, the, you know, after i get out, out of his intro um because how i found this cryptid is pretty funny so I feel like there are a lot of cryptids that are out there that are, like, just like vampires. And it's mm. very concerning. Um, like, why do y'all have to be bloodsuckers? Right. I uh, mean, so, that's
0: pretty common in, like, nature, isn't it? Um, bats. I mean, not all of them, though. Like, only one breed of bats.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I guess you got leeches and you got ticks and mosquitoes.
0: Yeah. Nature has some bloodsuckers.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, I got this one out of a lovely coloring book. Um, And it's called Cryptid Love. The Guide (laughs) to Dating the Cryptid of Your Dreams. I should have (laughs) known. Don't judge me. Anyway. <laughs> so, it, it's, like, the, the coloring book is basically... You know how we're trying to set up our coloring book?
0: Right.
1: How we have the one page as, like, the picture, and then the other page is, like, the words. That's uh, Like, old. a little summary. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like that. Okay. Um, And, but the one page with the words, it's it's like their they're dating profile. Oh, and, no. And, and it's... <laughs> For some of the cryptids, it's it's cringy, but <laughs> some of the other ones, it's it's cute and funny. But um, I'm I'm gonna read this one to you, okay? <laughs> so the headline, the headline goes, "Kiss my uh, proboscis," and the name is Jesse. The torso, asswang. Aswang? I don't even know, asswang, because I've been trying to figure out how to pronounce the name of the scripted. Um, I
0: feel like I've heard that word before.
1: All right, so the turn are eyes like Ellen DeGeneres. No, <laughs> turn are garlic knots. Um, uh, because of vampire of course um mm-hmm. uh, favorite movie pet cemetery is there's, there's a reason um and the description down below is says looking for a girl with kind green eyes that promises to never look into mine <laughs> a sweet <laughs> a sweetheart that loves long relaxing walks backwards on the beach after a long night of stealing bodies Oh, I don't like it. Uh, so that is the description in this coloring book for the ass wing, and that's what I'm talking about today. Um,
0: yeah, ash
1: Ashwang. Ash Yes.
0: I feel like I, I feel like it was in like a video game, like hmm. an indie game. Like an indie game had to do something with it.
1: Like okay.
0: They're, they're in the woods, right?
1: Uh, yeah, something like okay. that. Um, so, this one kept popping out to me, for one, because it was the first cryptid in, in, the, in the page, in the book. They go by alphabetical order, and this is the first one that popped out. And two, <laughs> the picture is freaking weird. Like, it's, it's, it looks like a person. There's a person's head all the way down to, like, his shoulders. Okay. And then after that, it turns into, like, bat's wings. And then at the bottom, it's just, like, tentacles that are hanging from the bottom of the bat body.
0: Okay. I can see why people would be interested.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) We got a lot of people who are very into tentacles around the world.
1: There you go. There you go. Pretty sure Jesse's getting a lot of hits on his Tinder. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so, yes, this creature is called the Asswing. It's a blood-sucking shapeshifter from Filipino folklore.
0: Ooh, that's where I heard of it! Okay, okay. There's a Filipino, like, anime on Netflix called, um, Trese.
1: Wow. And it has
0: loads of, like, monsters and Filipino lore. And one of the ones that she, the the, the girl's name is Tressa, her family name. One mm-hmm. of the ones she deals with is an Ushwing.
1: I think I need to watch the show.
0: Oh, it's really cool. I've only watched a couple of episodes so far, but it's very cool.
1: Is it like Hilda?
0: I don't know what Hilda is.
1: Hilda's Hilda. like uh, uh, it's like she deals with trolls and stuff and other mystical monsters. Well so, and... yeah,
0: no, this woman's like family have are like the. There's sort of the go-between between between humans and the paranormal. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that is a problem right now. That's sort of happening in the world. But I was so hyped because you know that I love... Like, there's a really great um, anime that's about Japanese ghosts and things. And it only had six episodes. And they only had, like, ten books. And I'm like, this could have yes. been a really awesome series, because <laughs> there's easily a hundred ghosts in Japan. But I was just like, as soon as you said Filipino, I was like, Tressay! Tressay talks to an ashwang. Oh, God. But I don't remember it being a vampire.
1: Well, Brittany, so that's... So now that's... I'm
0: kind of puzzled. I just thought it was the first, the thing. A buddy? That's...
1: That's... <laughs> uh... There's a reason for that. It's because there is not. There's also like not just one creature that goes by the name of a asswink. Uh, there's there are several tr- types of shape shifting creatures that go by this name. And really, yeah, and one of them may be a vampire type, or one might be like a a dog, or a witch or um
0: a in, ghoul? in tresse they um they look like bat people? bat people
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they were they were eating people so i guess they were vampiring it up but i didn't think about that my brain just went they are eating people oh
1: <laughs>
0: but I, well, they have like they have like pointy ears and sharp teeth that's what i remember okay
1: okay yes um they don't only suck blood and then I'll get into that though okay
0: <laughs> but I think it's interesting I want now I want to see what the picture is in your book to see if it looks like the show
1: it's the way you're saying it it might it might look a little bit like the, how it is I'll put it in, in the discord then I'll take a I picture and put it in discord
0: yeah, I don't know how I didn't make that connection anyway um, we could ta- I would love if you talked about Filipino cryptids and 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 lore there's some well, r- incredible stuff
1: i'm trying to expand my horizons
0: <laughs> yes 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 yeah uh
1: okay so the asswing is basically an evil entity that really just goes out of its way to hurt people for really no particular reason um it's just think of like the wasp of the cryptid world like a flying jackass
0: oh no <laughs> worse
1: yeah um during the day it's just like any other normal person it's it actually like is a person shapeships into a person i believe from whatever gotcha. it, it, it's been um maybe it may look a little skinnier a little paler but you know i'll explain you know all that later so
0: unlike europeans these mm. bad boys hang out in the daylight.
1: Yes, they are referred to as uh, Daywalkers, if anybody has seen Blade. No, Wesley Snipes? Everybody's seen Blade. Okay, but the Daywalker, Wesley Snipes, is a Daywalker. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Let's see. Spanish colonists noted that the asswing was the most feared among the mystical creatures in the Philippines of the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um even in the sixteenth century. The myth of the ass wing is well known throughout most of, of the Philippines. It's popular in various regions of western um Vis- visayan Vis- Visayan. Mm-hmm. Um which I'm not going to name because those regions like I was already struggling with the with the last one, so I'm not going to, <laughs> I wasn't I mean, going into that one.
0: Tagalog is a whole different language.
1: Yes. Um uh, so there are different names for Oswang. Uh-huh. Um they're they're either called a tick or
0: mm, I've heard that oh, too
1: a walk walk or a sock sock
0: you know why i've heard tick tick <laughs> cuz i occasionally get caught in um the 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 downward spiral that is youtube ghost videos filmed by people in other countries mm, and those i are lovely. I've seen some from the philippines and they talk about that I just like I said, I just didn't know it was the same creature.
1: Yeah. It's underneath it's underneath the umbrella term of Oswang, I guess.
0: Okay. Um
1: That's cool. and, and
0: one I saw recently it was like a goblin looking thing and it crawled yes. almost like a but like it crawled like a like a golem, like the thing from Lord of the Rings.
1: Mm. Okay, yes.
0: Um and in the little video the guy was like it's right next to you. And the person was like, you're joking. I'm trying to play my song. <laughs> um, and he, the, the person with the camera was very upset. And even if it wasn't real, it was a real good video.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah, that's what I do at like 3
1: a.m. in the morning. I, can't I mean, that's what I do when I am can't find it on the watch on YouTube. But I stumble on ooh, real ghost videos and, yeah. and, and just go down this rabbit hole.
0: Top five, blah blah blahs.
1: <laughs> real ghost comp in schools and locker. You see lockers flying around. Oh my God, No. <clears throat>
0: okay, that one though. That's the real one.
1: <laughs> yeah, those are creepy. I I love them, but I hate them at the same time. Uh, okay. <laughs> so the the reason why these things are named like these, the tick tick, the walk walk, is because they're apparently it's the it's the sounds that it makes when it's. Mm hunting down its prey.
0: Creepy. <clears throat> yep.
1: <Yeah. clears throat> so, like I said, there's not really one set description on um, Like You got vampires, dogs, witches, shapeshifters that are all linked to this name. Um, but I-, I think they're mainly known as like vampires or like bat things that can shapeshift into people or different things. Um, I feel and- like
0: from a historical perspective the concept of shape-shifting mm-hmm. or um, like like in dnd doppelgangers are shapeshifters. like right. it exists in like every culture and there's like this big big fear of of a thing that can pretend to be something else
1: i mean yes
0: it's like a global fear
1: that that's uh yeah that's like a, a deep in our lizard brain type mm-hmm. of fear Oh, goodness. And yeah, like I mentioned, uh, these things, they can walk around during the day. Um, but you can tell who's an asswing in your town or your your village or whatever just by looking in their eyes. Um, because they normally appear like bloodshot during the day. And that's because they're up all night hunting down prey. Or they're searching for houses that have had wakes Uh, so they can steal the bodies of the dead
0: oh
1: yeah so not only do they feast on the living they feast on the dead and they well you know
0: i'm not super bothered by eating an already dead person
1: yeah that's true that's true um
0: you know it's like what am i gonna do i'm dead eat me whatever i don't care (laughs)
1: That's true. I, I think I, I think they do, they feast on the blood of the living and their organs as well, like their, their livers and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. See, now I can't abide by that. I need my liver, fam.
1: Mm-hmm. And then they just eat the organs of the dead because the blood's already blah. Yes. Yep. And a funny fact, actually. So remember when I was talking about how I think it was phase. We were talking when I did the, when we did a Faye episode. Um, mm-hmm. How they're like ch- how the how changelings uh, replaced like the person or something, um, like the baby. They 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 replaced the baby and then either no, it wasn't a baby. It was it was it an old person. So they replaced an the old person and then they wanted to like be comforted as they were dying and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I know, Brittany, and that's kinda sweet.
1: Yeah, it's it's sweet as fuck. Okay, so <laughs> Eye swings They can not only uh transform their appearance, they can transform the appearance of other things as well. Ooh. So that's say scary. they Say they stole a person, a live person, or they stole like a body, like a dead body, and they they can make a replica of that person, no. made from made from a tree trunk or something. And is this doppelganger type of person will just walk and live its normal life for like a little bit, but then when when it gets home, it um or after a while, it gets like really sick, and then. It's, it just dies from natural causes. No. So that the Oswang is like there's no suspicion at all that this thing has I mean, like...
0: it's one thing if you take over the person's life, right? Mm hmm. But if if my grandma already died and then I see her walking down the street, that's not okay.
1: No. <laughs> no. I don't like that. I think they just okay for dead people. I think they just replace their bodies with like a, a log. Like they they uh substitution jutsu the the body for a tree uh tree trunk. So it's not like that that body walks around because it's already dead. So I'm pretty sure they, it would be more but suspicious but if it was walking around.
0: Look like will it look like my deceased relative? Because yeah yeah be yeah, scared. they change
1: it. Yeah, they changed it to look like it, so...
0: Yeah, I don't like that. That's not cool. <laughs> I was grieving, and then I'm like, wait, Grandma, you're not dead.
1: Oh, God. Um. So, this one's kind of gross, but they also eat uh, the hearts and livers of unborn fetuses and young children. Um, and they do this by using their proboscis Ah. like a freaking mosquito. It it, it like comes out of their mouth and it just goes into like the mother's womb and then sucks out what it needs while the woman is asleep. Mm. Lovely, right?
0: Well, which is a really interesting way for Uh, people from a long time ago to explain miscarriages. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I was visited by an Ashwang last night. I'm sad. Uh, Yeah, it is sad. But I'm like, it's one of the interesting things, like, obviously, I would like some of these very interesting, cool creatures to be very real, but my brain doesn't allow me to believe in all of them. But what I do, like, notice is how people make sense of their world or how they made sense of their world a long time ago. Right. Right. You know, and some of these, like, especially from Japan, the Philippines, China, some of these stories go back centuries. Yeah. So this was a time before we had even the ability to talk to different people from different places. And so like one of the things that I find super fascinating is that virtually every culture has a story about massive people that were significantly bigger than all the other people mm-hmm. who did things you know and we call them giants but other cultures called them other things. Um, but like somehow when we were as separate as possible from every other culture in the world, everybody came up with some of the sim- some similar creatures
1: yes and i love that i do love that like uh what was it the baba yaga yeah like i every, talked about
0: right this, it, we, some people call them well obviously baba yaga is what russia or mm-hmm. over there but like uh we just refer to them as hags and i think they used to refer to him as hags in the uk
1: yeah and you then know, Jap- or- japan has their own name for
0: hmm Japan has some other interesting ones that are just real scary. That tall oh, lady lives in my head forever. Hachishaku-sama. <laughs> she just shows up in the middle <laughs> of the night.
1: You're mine now. You're not a little kid, so she won't come after
0: you. God ah, damn you. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. There's children here.
1: Okay, never mind. That's true. There's mm. a
0: children here. Okay, there's a 15-year-old, but there's also a 7-year-old. And what if I see her because she came for him?
1: Oh, she'll <laughs> she like him.
0: She makes her little weird noise.
1: Po, 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 po.
0: Oh I hate it. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a great one, but
1: Okay. Um <laughs> So Oshwings, right? I I said I mentioned that they were skinny. Um <clears throat> and the reason for that is so they can hide behind Bamboo posts and hunt that way. Um, okay. Uh, they like to, they move silently, they move quickly. Oh, Brittany. Okay. So I got to tell you this one part. (laughs) So, Oshwings, they're, they're mainly like depicted as, uh, females, women, um, and, is the way they walk.
0: Is, uh, see, that's they, so interesting. The one from the show—they're definitely dudes.
1: <laughs> it's, okay, so that's and not, not only
0: way. are they dudes, but they're like muscular.
1: Hmm. Guess they want to go a different way. I mean, that's well.
0: Well, um, what you're saying is that the term Ashwang is like a family of creepies. Yeah. And there's a lot of different ones in there. So now my thought process is, which one is the one that they show on the show? Because that's the bat-like one. So what do they call that in, in the Philippines?
1: Hmm. I think I got I got the answer for that one, I will tell you. Um, so anyway, though, when, when they're in their uh, in their woman's body or in, in a person's body... Um, they they walk with their feet pointed backwards, like their bodies facing forward, but their I feet. I hate it. <laughs> They're facing the other way.
0: I don't even want to Google a picture of that. That's how much the idea of the feet being turned around bothers me. Um,
1: and and they use like vocal tricks to uh, disguise themselves. So if they're talking to somebody and they're trying to like lure them into like the forest or something um you know they have their feet facing the way they're trying to go um and they will walk that way and then they'll just get quieter and quieter and quieter like trying to like trying to trick this person to either Follow them or, like, to, to trick them into, like, a false sense of security. Like, okay, this person's going away. They are really weird. I hope I don't see them again. And surprise, surprise. They come back and they get you. Um, now, that's fucking creepy. I I can't... I don't want to imagine seeing a person like that. Like, in the woods? Like, in the woods around here? Seeing a person like... <laughs>
0: We talked about this before, Brian. I, I know. I know. There are things that you're not supposed to do in the woods. I know. And we don't you do those And if you hear things. something call your name, you're not
1: supposed to respond. I know. I know. Actually,
0: the main question is, why are you out in the woods at night? Camping? Stay in your damn tent.
1: Well, if I was hiking and I got lost?
0: You better have a tent in your bag. <laughs> They're going to try to get in my
1: tent. <laughs> it's pretty. <laughs> oh, no, God. what they're
0: going to do, especially this one, is walk around your tent and talk mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. Probably yeah. repeat some of the things that you said earlier in the day that they heard when you were walking
1: around. I'm going to have nightmares tonight. Thanks, Brian. This is my fault. Right?
0: Yeah. You started this journey. <laughs>
1: Oh, I have nightmares. Oh, I love it. Oh, God. <clears throat> That's
0: what I'm saying. It's just like, you know, so if you're in the tent or you're in the cabin, don't leave.
1: Yeah. yeah. Please don't. Uh,
0: I just feel like nothing good ever happens in the woods at night.
1: Oh, no. Absolutely not. No. You get... It's either bugs or it's animals or it's cryptids or other people.
0: True. And the animal thing is scary because coyotes will do a number on folks
1: yes Uh, okay so yeah uh like during the day ashwings they they live like as quiet shy villagers um they don't try to bother anybody Mm -hmm. unless it's at night and they're hungry and that's when they transform into bloodthirsty uh Piece. so okay so i i told you i had like an answer for your your thing that you saw in the show mm-hmm. um
0: <clears throat> the bad boys
1: you know there's a thing that's i'm going to try to pronounce it and it's called a aman on on Mhm. it's aman on angal and <clears throat> and it's kind of like the walk walk version of the Oswank, okay okay <clears throat> and the reason why it's the same it's like the same is because when this thing transforms in the middle of the night it leaves half of its body so the only part that's left is like its torso um and they drag. They usually just dragged it around. Um, and this is like they're mainly described as as women who you know the normal by day, but you know at night they uh, they detach their torso from their from their from the rest of their body, and they sprout bat wings, and they go to eat unborn fetuses.
0: All right um, then.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's um, the. God. So the name of the manana is uh it means uh the remover in tagalong. Oh. Yeah.
0: That's kind of cool. I mean uh, the name is very distinctive. It's it's right on target.
1: Yeah. Uh the tic ticks, they're like Giant humanoid crows who belong to witches. Um, there's also a thing called a boo boo, mm-hmm. um, and this is just an osprey with bloodshot eyes that makes the sound of a of a laying hen at night. If that. Okay. Making, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I said. <laughs> yep, that's that's what I said. <laughs>
0: Ooh, I'm eating meat. chickens are nice.
1: Um. Oh, speaking of chickens, Brittany. Yes. Did you know? No, you probably didn't know. But a human can choose to turn into an oswing by tying a fertilized chicken egg to their stomach. Like, tying, like, wrapping their, stu- like, the chicken egg chooser, their, like, to, you know, to their stomach, binding it around their stomach. Um, and then once the chick, like, passes into their flesh, they must bury the shell in a bamboo tube with coconut oil and chicken dung. Then, and then, only after that, then they will possess the powers of Aswang. So, like, the chicken has to, like, bury itself, uh, like, dig into your stomach. Okay. And, yeah.
0: <laughs> it just uh, this doesn't seem like a good time. You know, if you want to be a vampire, you just got to be like, hey, bite me.
1: <laughs> Give me some of your vampire blood.
0: We're done. Uh,
1: Uh, Yeah, and that's it, but no, no, this one's uh, a little more complicated. Um, Okay, but there's an easier way, and that's if an Ashwing marries a human, then that human will turn into an Ashwing on their wedding day.
0: Um, Uh alright. Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. Seems simple. Yeah. They don't have babies, though, so you don't have to worry about that.
0: Um, oh, so there's no babies, you just gotta go. If you want to have a baby, you just gotta I, turn somebody else.
1: I guess, yes. That's how they reproduce, by just turning somebody. Um, speaking of this marriage, these couples, these Ashwain couples, they they like to hunt alone because they don't like sharing the food. And when I read that, I was like, mood i'm like yes (laughs) yes (laughs) i don't like sharing my food and it says like separate like them hunting alone it it helps them like avoid suspicion and getting detected as well so i was like "Mm, yeah i I mean as far as long as like as far as the food goes that's definitely me because i will not willingly share my food unless you know i'm like feeling generous that day um
0: yeah i can't remember uh you sharing food with me but also that's because i i mean i had my own food yeah so exactly i'm so. like <laughs> there was never a time period where i was like yo give me that and you were like ugh so it never like came <laughs> up i'm like in my brain, I'm thinking, like, in the whole time I've known you, this situation has never arisen.
1: No. <laughs> I
0: didn't know and that was it, one like, of
1: your weird uh, It is. you don't like. It is one of my weird things I don't like. Like, I'll sit here eating a drink on food, and you're looking at me like... Ooh, that looks good. Can I try that? And like, mm, I guess so. Like, this is mine, but whatever. You got your own food over there. You should have got. So the, the same question
0: thing. is, how often does that happen in your life? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs>
1: I'm not going to say.
0: <laughs> Don't get uh, yourself in trouble.
1: Yeah, no, no, not today. <laughs> oh God. Goodness gracious. Um, but I guess there's a way to, to get rid of these things. Um, and you can use garlic, salt, holy water, crucifixes, rose, like rosaries. You can use prayer, I guess, or you can just cut their heads off, which is, I guess the easier way. Um, Okay. There's another white, and it's fucking weird. Okay. And I don't want to say it's too soon for this one, but it's too soon. Um, cause I read it and I was like, oh, damn, that sucks. Oh, um, so <laughs> it says, they, I read, it says that they will also be destroyed by getting whipped with the tail of a stingray. Because they do not like the sound. Of his slashing through the air, and so what you're hers-
0: telling me is that Steve Irwin is an Ashwang out there <laughs> living his best life right now. I was like,
1: "Yo, this is so bad. It's terrible." <laughs> uh, um, he was he so- was
0: definitely at Bendy's wedding. He was just hiding in the back watching.
1: Oh, oh yeah, definitely. He, you couldn't recognize because he was skinny and pale uh,
0: <laughs> uh, oh, still sad.
1: Yeah, definitely 100% <clears throat> um, there's an oil called hintura mm-hmm. and it, it will bubble if an Aswang is in like close to you.
0: Okay, I like that. That's a more realistic idea.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um
0: but that always like is scary, right? Cuz now you bo- know for real that it's there. Oh my god. Oh no, I hate it. Yeah.
1: Um There're also phil like uh Filipino like amulets you can wear to keep them away as well. Okay. Um there have been okay, so there are reasons. Like I don't want to say reasons. There, there's um, what's the word? It's like a debunking. Like there's there's a reason for why people think this thing is real. Um, and it's mainly because they blame this on bats or Transmadian devils or mm. Kagwang. I don't know what that animal is. I actually need to google that. Um Say it again? Kagwang. K A G W A N G.
0: Oh, they're so cute. <laughs> it's, a, it's a it says it's a flying lemur.
1: Oh, well they are cute. Okay.
0: I mean, they got those big beady lemur eyes, but Apparently, they also got the big arms like the squirrels, and they jump.
1: Yeah, that that thing. Seeing that thing at night would scare the fuck out of me. Not gonna lie.
0: Yeah, it's probably <laughs> not as cute at nighttime.
1: Yeah, Um but yeah, well, one they, of them
0: falls on you. <laughs> oh
1: uh, god! <laughs> You're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Um,
0: yeah.
1: but yeah, they've been killed. Like Tasmanian devils, Cagwings, bats. They've been, they've been killed too like because some people have just mistaken them for ass wings or
0: i am not gonna lie the <clears throat> cock wing, when it's upside down actually hanging looks mm. like a gigantic bat Hmm. like bats are like so tiny this thing is huge it when is it's, it... it's got a big i don't want to call it a wingspan because it can't fly but it's got a good arm span
1: I got that skin, fl- lot of skin.
0: Yeah. So, oh, yeah, I'm, I've seen some smaller ones, too, so I guess there's a couple different species of them over there.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my gosh,
0: as I scroll by, I see on Twitter, Ashwang or Kagwang.
1: Oh, God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, good old Twitter.
1: Oh, my God. Um... So people believe that the myth of the ashwang grew because of a certain genetic disease, Mm, Um, like was it dystonia parkinsonism? So okay, um, I guess if you look at pictures of this, um, of an ash of if you look at pictures of an ashwang transforming, it kind of looks similar to a patient of this disease with okay. the symptoms of yeah. So uh, it's like it's it's like that's like a you know a conspiracy or yeah. not a conspiracy, it's a theory. Um another theory is that some anthropologists believe that the Spaniards who, you know, first like sort of sight like seeing these um they created the myth as a way to keep the population under control. Which, I mean, killing people does keep population under control, but that's kind of bad. Um, but yeah, they told stories about the creatures living on the outskirts of the forest to discourage Filipinos from leaving their towns so they could keep their power.
0: Interesting.
1: I mean, Spanish. Spanish uh, yeah, back in the day. That, that sounds about right. Um, Unfortunately.
0: Unfortunately.
1: Yeah, unfortunately. Brittany, there's a festival for the Oshwank. like the last. This is probably the last thing I tell you. (laughs) Um, And let me just read this. It it says, on October 29th to the 30th, uh, 2004, Capiz inaugurated the Oshwank Festival, organized by a a non-governmental group, uh, Dugo... Uh, incorporated. It was a Halloween-like fiesta as a prelude to All Souls Day and All Saints Day festivals. It was, however, condemned by the Catholic hierarchy and some local officials as an act of adoring the devil. Of course.
0: Man, uh, everything fun is of the
1: devil. Of course. Everything fun is the devil. <laughs> uh when for, when former Capiz uh governor oh god, you you're these names. Um All I'm whatever saying he,
0: is we need more cryptid um parties in America.
1: We do, we do. I mean I know uh, we got
0: Mothman Week, but like we can do better.
1: Yeah, apparently it this this um festival actually stopped in two thousand seven. Because of the the mayor. He kinda like stopped the, the festival. Yeah,
0: but eventually he's not gonna be mayor anymore.
1: This is true. So I'm pretty sure I don't I'm not sure if it's uh still going. I can actually look that up too. But as of right now But yeah, Moth, look mothman festival mothman parade in west virginia you know i was talking to uh, my brothers about this uh yesterday and they're like why would any like because we're talking about you know work and shit right mm-hmm. and they're like yeah i hate driving through west virginia and i was like why <laughs> and i was like just because he goes there all the time and i was like okay and that's right.
0: Like, Tell me the truth. Let's <laughs> go.
1: And, and I'm like, I would fucking love joining West Virginia all the time. And I'm like, why? And I was like, Chris Mothman, man. What are you talking about? That's great. Right. Oh God. They were just they they did not understand the Mothman. But um Okay, so I'm looking. I'm looking this up right now. The, the Ashwang Festival. It's a cultural celebration in Wa- Roxas City, Capiz, uh, and it's intended to bust the myth about the pro- the province being a domain of the Ashwang by turning the monster into Capiz's premier attraction. So it's just like Mothman, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it's still going on. It's just, like, the last anything that about this festival just stops in 2007. That's what I'm reading on Wiki, but, you know, who knows? It's probably. Nope, actually. Nope, never mind. I see something for 2019. 2019. Got it. Yeah, it's okay. So, I'm going to say it's still going on. So, today. Nice. And they are still celebrating this, this.
0: Don't let the Catholic Church control you.
1: <laughs> Don't let them tell you what's cool and what's not. They are uncool. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I'm going to send you this picture of this thing real quick in the Discord. And you check it out. You tell me if this looks like the thing from your show. Because... It, it might. And boom. Send... Boom, roast it. Boom, post it. Oh, no.
0: (laughs) It it doesn't have a half a body.
1: It does. It has the the torso and it has the wings.
0: It's only got a half. That's not, no. No. But some of the other ones in the show did have wings. It's just, no, 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 no. Mm. It was a whole people, and also it had pointy ears.
1: Oh, it was a whole person. Ah, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Mm, see? No. (laughs) Well, we talked about how
0: that could be different ones, but that's all good. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's definitely interesting.
1: Yeah, that's what I got today for you guys. Creepy vampire, shapeshifting, werewolf-type monster. Saying, well from the philippines
0: thanks so much for listening
1: yes have a good night
0: goodbye good weekend good night yes good weekend bye